0: I entitled today's message, Kingdom Rich. Now, let me just say this. Um, How many believe that God wants you to be blessed? Yes. How many believe God wants you to be cursed? Anybody, okay, all right. Uh, I I believe that God wants you to be blessed. I believe that God wants you to be rich. And now when I say the word rich, often, of course, usually our mind goes to? Money. To money, of course. And and I do believe that God wants us to be taken care of uh, in our finances. But rich is something so much beyond finances. How many know God wants you to be rich in relationships? Come on, anybody, anybody got some rich relationships? You just, man, I am blessed with that. Uh, God wants you to be rich in so many areas of your life. And so today, I titled today's message, Kingdom Rich, and we will talk about finances, but we're also gonna talk about just what does it mean for us to be rich in, in every area of our life. Now, I, let me say this. I, I'm not sharing this message today because our church needs money. Um, we're doing really well. And, and can I just get, just brag on God and, and really just thank you? Uh, this, this year's been a hard year, as many of you know. Uh, we you know, had many months where we didn't gather together uh, corporately. And, and then we had two hurricanes that, that hit our state so many, so much devastation, and this year, already currently, right now, we are 20% more generous this year than we were last year when all of that was good. So I, I, I just want to applaud your faithfulness, your generosity in this season. Uh, that, is, that is very, very different than what's happening in most churches around the nation. Most churches around the nation are either closing or they have seen major deficiency in their giving, and yet you have stepped up to the plate and been generous. And here's the greatest part of all that. We only have a third of you that are here in the building. How awesome is that? So that just showed, that's so cool. So thank you again. Thank you for being generous. So I say all that to say, I'm not sharing this message because we need money. Um, We're doing really well. Uh, I'm sharing this message because I want you to be blessed. And there is a way that God calls us to live our life that he blesses. How many want God's blessing on your life? Anybody? Okay, so let's go to 1 Timothy chapter six. We're gonna start here. I got a number of scriptures and uh, I haven't preached in two weeks, so you're about to get it, all right? So I am ready to go. And so uh, I'll say this on the front end. If you're new here, uh, we're, we, you, you are a preaching church. So the more you preach back at me, the faster I go. Amen. The less you preach, we're staying here for a while, okay? I got till 11, all right? That's the next service. So, uh, so preach with me. Uh, if you see these black letters, you're gonna say them out with me because I want us to engage in the message today. And this is what Paul tells his young protege, Timothy. He tells him this. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in, which is so... How many would agree with that, that wealth is so uncertain? I mean, you feel like you got it one day and then you're like, where did he go the next? Anybody have kids? Okay, all right. So, are y'all with me? <clears throat> so, now, now let me just pause this real quick and, and, and say this. Command those who are rich. Now, immediately when you hear the word rich, now we know that he is speaking about money because he's talking about people that are putting their hope in wealth. Now, when you hear that word rich, though, immediately, probably 98% of the people in this room immediately said, well, that's not me. That's not me. I just want you to know it is you because if you drove here today, you are rich. Like if you have a house, you are rich. Like if, if you had food this, this year and Thanksgiving that was overly plentiful, you are rich. I just want you to know you are rich. Look at somebody next to you say, man, you rich. Come on, tell them. Tell them you rich. You are richer than most people in this world. I just want to let you know that. So, all right. So, So don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in, okay, all right. Now, next verse, he goes on, he says this, who richly provides us with everything for our? Okay, all right, so God desires for you to have wealth, for you to have health, for you to have all the things that he's blessed you with for your? Okay, so God does want you to enjoy the things he's given you, all right? So whatever you have, it is for your enjoyment. But then he tells them this: It's not only for your enjoyment, but also command them to do, good. to do good and to be. Rich. Now watch this: rich in good OK, So he's telling them now something else. So he talked about rich in wealth, but now he's saying, "But we need to also command them to also be rich in doing good, be rich in helping others, be rich and to be generous. generous and willing to share. And he goes on, last verse, he says this, verse 19. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This passage is so Rich, ta-ta, all right, with with principles and with incredible truth that God needs you to know. And, And he talks about the present world, and he talks about the coming age. Those in the present world that are rich, command them not to put their hope in wealth. It's uncertain. Put your hope in God. Now, command them to also do good, to be rich in good deeds. So, so here's what I want you to know. Notice he didn't say command the poor. And here's why he says this. Because it has been statistically proven that those who have more tend to give less. Yeah. Yeah. And those who have less tend to give more. Notice he said, did, he didn't say command the poor to be generous, to man, command the poor to do good. He said, command the rich, because when you have a lot, there is a tendency for you to hoard more. You everybody with me? And so what he's challenging us, and I'm going to say this definitely for Americans who are bountiful and plentiful, and, and we have a lot, is that we are called that because we have a lot in this present world, we need to do good and be rich in this present world. Why? Because there is a coming age. So you're gonna notice there's two things, two contrasting, the present world and the coming age. And so we're gonna talk about what this is and what he's telling us is that there's a life that is way better than this life and you're gonna wanna make sure that you invest in the next life because it's way better. Okay, don't get too much stock in this life because this is not it all there is. All right, so I'm gonna give you uh, two thoughts on why God is calling us to live this way, and then I'm gonna show you three ways how we are to live this way, okay? How do we be people who are rich in God's kingdom? Let's talk about why, why it's important. Number one, because heaven, not earth, is my home. Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Every time that the disciples came to Jesus with an earthly problem, he always gave them a heavenly solution, every time. And I wanna give you one example of it. Watch with me in John chapter 14, okay? So, got problems on this earth. They come to Jesus, man, we got this issue. And watch what Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in, okay, all right? So, that's, so we know they're going through something, there's some anxiety that they have that's happening, and they're coming to him and he's like, hey, listen, don't be troubled. Just trust in God. Now watch how he gives them the solution now to this issue. Watch what he directs them to. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. Next verse says this. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Verse three says this. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be where I am. Okay, so they come to him about an issue that they're dealing with in the present world, and he says, Hey, hey, don't worry about that. Hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, remember? And and I got plenty of room where I'm going. So what was he doing? He was redirecting their attention to something that was eternal, not that was earthly. And how I many know every time you come to Jesus about an earthly problem, he usually just brings you to an eternal solution. Oh, you're so worried about that house. How are you going to pay for that? Don't worry. I got a big house waiting for you. Yeah. All right. Oh, you're so worried about that diagnosis that came your way. Oh, don't worry. There is cure in heaven. Okay. I mean, you know, he's always redirecting us. And I, I don't know if y'all, if, if y'all grew up in church, like in the 80s and 90s, y'all, I don't know who grew up in church, like in the 80s and 90s, if you did a couple of you. All right. So if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, y'all remember like a lot of the songs were always about heaven i 'll fly away, oh I mean everybody 's like talking about one you know they're they're always redirecting their hearts to heaven, and i 'm going to tell you right now, especially in 2020 in a year where there 's a lot of turmoil that 's happening in our present world, I mean no it is comforting to know there is a coming age that is better than this one so so don 't get too much stuck in this one. Because one of the best things that I could tell you would be, I know it's tough at times, but just hang in there because soon we're going to be somewhere else. We're just passing through. This is what we know throughout scripture. The real solution to your life is not here, but there, and we're passing through to there. Let me let me show you a, a scripture in Philippians chapter three. Paul is now also kind of in the same uh, thing that, that Jesus is when they come to him about Physical, earthly problems. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna pay this? How are we gonna afford this? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna? And he goes, no, 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 listen, time out, guys. Look, for I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And here we go, watch this. And they, they think only about this life. They think only about this life here on earth. In verse 20, he says this. But we, but we are, what? Yet again, look, what is Paul doing? He's just redirecting them yet again to an eternal solution. Okay, you got problems on earth. You got problems in your marriage. You got problems in your finances. You got problems with your health. Hey, I know, but, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Our citizenship is in heaven. So let me just give a real helpful tip. Don't get too attached to this. Don't get too attached to this. The single greatest deterrent to living generously is the illusion that earth is your home. When you understand earth is not your home, you are the most generous, most sharing, most willing, most stress-less person because you're not worrying about what's happening here because you know somewhere you're going is better. Are y'all with me? Okay, so no matter what diagnosis comes your way, no matter what hardship comes your way, no matter what you're struggling through, yes, does God want you to enjoy things here on earth? Yes, but he always wants your direction to go to heaven because that's ultimately where our hope comes from. Now, suppose for a moment that you are a, a citizen of France, And suppose you came to America to work in America and and the job was that you were going to be in America for 90 days. You're going to make a ton of money, but you're only going to be here for 90 days and then you're going to be escorted right back to France. And you're going to stay in a hotel for 90 days. Here's the question. Knowing that you're going to be here for 90 days, knowing that you're staying in a hotel, Do you buy all that you possibly can to stock that hotel with the nicest stuff, knowing that you're not bringing any of it back to France? The answer is no. You know what you do? You make a ton of money, and you wire it all back to France because you know that's where you're going to enjoy it. Are are y'all with me? The same is true for us who are people who live on earth, knowing that the earth is not our home. Why would we stockpile all of it for earth when we want it to live beyond us so it's where we, we end up living in the end? Are, are y'all with me? And so, and so one of the ways that we do that, of course, is in generosity. One of the ways that we do it is in doing good. One of the ways that we do that is making much of Jesus. And so, so number one is why do we live this way? Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Number two, because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. There is limited time, but incredible opportunity. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says it this way. So be careful how you live, and don't live like fools. Live like those who are wise. And here's how wise people live. They make the most of what? Of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't, he goes on, he says this, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, here's, here's what we talk about when we talk about limited time but incredible opportunity. Whatever you think you have a lot of, you tend to waste. And whatever you think you don't have a lot of, you tend to, you tend to hold on. Have Y'all ever seen that? Like whatever you think you've got a lot of, you, you, you waste it. So if you've got a lot of time, you can waste it. If you've got a lot of money, you can waste it. If you've got a lot of whatever it may be. We can tend to waste it, but whenever there is, it it shrinks down and you don't have as much, you tend to be much wiser with it. You tend to to think a little bit harder on the decisions that you're going to make. So so one of the things that we do every year for for Christmas is we go on trips now. So I told our boys a couple years ago, we are not buying any more Christmas gifts um, because you don't even play with the ones that we buy you. So we're gonna buy you memories so we're gonna go on a trip. So for the last two years, that's what we've done. We've gone on, on trips. And what I do is, when the trip starts, every, every year, the trip is about to start, we're in the car, we're about to take off, I turn around in the back and I hand each of my boys a $100 bill. is for you, this is for you, this is for you. And this is what I say, you can do whatever you want with this, okay? You can spend it however you want, on yourself, however you want. But can I tell you, you hadn't seen anybody be thrifty? Yes, exactly. Some of my boys, like the first Bucky's gas station, $95. You know, just like, <laughs> bam, they got candy everywhere. The problem is, we got seven more days on this trip and they got five bucks. And then when their brothers are ziplining, <laughs> and now they can't, they're learning stewardship. And it's amazing that it's, it's $100, but it, it's not gonna go that far. But, but it's amazing how when dad's paying for it, yeah. come on, anybody in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I'll take the extra large. When they're paying for it, it's a small. Right. Yeah. It's, that's, that's how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. So the other day uh, we were at Sonic and, and I, was, I, I told them, I, I'll buy you something. And when I buy it, then it's the extra large. When I say they buy it, It's not, they don't even get anything extra. Why, because when it's mine and it's plenty, they can waste it. When it's theirs, they tend to hold on to it. Are y'all with me? Okay, so so watch this though. The same is true though with us when it comes to our time, when it comes to our opportunities. We have limited time. Many of us think we have all the time in the world. And, And some of you this year have experienced the loss of a family member because you thought you had all the time in the world and now you realize you didn't. Yeah, exactly. We have, we, have, we have limited time, but we have incredible opportunity. And what I mean by that is this year has been a, a really difficult year, but there has been incredible opportunity to be generous. There's been incredible opportunity to impact people. There's been incredible opportunity to help people. I, and, and I'm so grateful for our church. I mean, this, just this, this year, with everything from COVID that happened and the opportunities that we had to minister at our hospitals and to our nurses and to our doctors, to now going into the hurricane and the opportunity that we had to serve our city and our region and then even serving beyond our region and then helping churches and giving money to help churches stay afloat during all this stuff. How mean, you know. limited time, but incredible opportunity. Are y'all with me? And how many you know the opportunity is still there? The opportunity for us to continue to impact people for the gospel is still there. Why why does God command us to be rich in good deeds? Why does God call us to to be generous? Why does God call us to be willing to share? Because we have limited time, but we have incredible opportunity. We have incredible opportunity. During World War II, uh, Winston Churchill needed resources and he needed them to be put in the right places. And so he had posters that were made and he posted them all over England. And here's what he said. The poster said this, self-indulgence at this time is helping the enemy. Self-indulgence at this time is helping the enemy. God is calling us in this moment. Limited time, but incredible opportunity. Luke chapter 12, let's go there. I wanna transition this and I wanna share a a passage, a a parable that, that God, that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 12 about what it is to be rich and what God has called us to do in, in the areas of our wealth, in the areas of our resources, in the areas of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And this is what he said. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? That's a great question to ask. For I have nowhere to store my crops. And the next verse says this. And so he says, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and, and my goods. He goes on, he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, now watch this, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself himself, and is not rich towards God. So, ready, here's the question. Is being rich, now let's talk about money, is being rich wrong? No, it's not. And and the reason we know it's not is because you can read all throughout scripture some of the heroes of the faith were the richest people in the world. David, and Solomon, and Abraham. I mean, these men had extreme wealth. So, understand this. God doesn't have a problem with you having money God has a problem with money having you. So he he doesn't mind. He, He wants you to have it. He just doesn't want it to have you. Because as soon as it has you, you're in a bad place. And so this parable is a story to a man who has plentiful. God has blessed him bountifully. And the question he asks is, what do I do with this? And so he starts going, well, I got my crops and my barns and I got all these things that that I need to do. So I wanna talk about three ways we can be rich towards God because he ends this passage on, you need to be rich towards God. How do we, as people who serve God, how are we rich towards God? Three thoughts. Number one, here's the first one. Act like a steward, not an owner. Act like a steward, not an owner. Over 11 times in this passage of scripture, this man uses the word I or my. He says, my crops, my barns, my grain, my goods, my soul. <clears throat> and, and he's forgetting something. It's kind of like, I think a lot of Christians have a, like teenage problems. Anybody have a teenager? Yeah. Okay. Like anybody's ever uh, like let your kids go drive your car and they come back and, and, and they didn't treat it like it was your car, they treat it like it was their car. <clears throat> how, much, how much when they've said, well, that's my room, my food, and you have to remind them, like you can pay for none of this. Are y'all with me? Like you could, you could eat ramen for the rest of the week and we eat dinner. Like this is, no, 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 this is my food, my internet, my electricity, my house, my car, okay, until you actually pay for something. None of this is actually yours. All of this is mine. And, and ready? Here we go. This is the same way Christians act towards God, though. Yeah. God, that's my money. That's my kids. That's my house. That's my stuff. And God goes, mm, you sure about that? You sure about that? Because as we said in the very first week of this series, the greatest threat To thy kingdom come is my kingdom come. And this man right here was saying my goods, my barns, my wheat, my stuff. So let me show you, Psalms 24, what God says about all of our stuff, all of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure. God says it this way, Psalms 24, verse 1, he says, the earth is the, everybody help me, lords Lords and, come on, everybody say it again, and And everything. everything in it, everything in the world and all you live in it. Everything, everything. So we, we know that God has called us to tithe, but can I just say this? Not only does the tithe belong to God, all of it belongs to God. Everybody's like, God, there's your 10%. And God's like, no, 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 it's all mine. It's, all, it's everything is mine. And, and I'm gonna tell you the number one reason why people get upset when churches talk about money. Now I'm gonna say this. There have been some churches that have done really bad with money which has created that. But usually the number one reason people get squirmish when they hear about people talking about money is because we think it's my money. But it's not, it's not mine. Just as much as this church is not my church. This is God's church, this is God's house, this is God's money, this is, my wife is God's God's woman, God's daughter. My children are God's. Sometimes I wanna send them back to them. I mean, you can take the gift back. I'm sure my wife has probably said that about me too. Like, you can take that gift back. But that's all, it's all God's. My house is God's. My car is God. My job is God. Everything and all who live in it are God's. So, So this is going to help all of you because one of the greatest stress relievers in your life, watch this, everybody look at me, is to remind yourself God owns it all. So when your husband wants to act a fool, you just go, God owns it all. When you don't know how you're gonna pay the bill, you say, God owns it all. When you don't figure out how, you, how your health's gonna get worked, God owns it all. God owns it all. I, um, I, I don't know if there's any people in here that rent. If you're a renter, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but if you're a renter, one of the greatest perks about being a renter is if stuff breaks, one phone call, that's all. If you, if you have a good landlord, okay? Because if stuff breaks, you don't gotta fix it, the landlord has to fix it, all right? And I think it's actually kinda comical that we call him the landlord. Right. Think about that. That when stuff breaks, I call the landlord, the one who owns the land, and he comes and he fixes it. Now watch this. If you wanna know how to relieve stress, You remind yourself that you are not the landlord because if you own it, you got to fix it. And guess what? If you got to fix it, guess what? All the stress that comes along with it. But guess what? If you don't own it, then guess what? One call, that's all. God, this is your problem. God, I need your help in this. And God gets to step in. And I'm gonna tell you, this is the biggest stress reliever when you, when you go into situations. So many people are stressed out about money. So many people are stressed out about stuff. So many people are stressed out about their jobs. If you would just say, God, you own it all. God, you work it out. God, I trust you. I don't put my hope in wealth. I put my hope in God, because God, you're gonna k- take care of this because you're the owner, not me. And where we get stressed out is when we wanna be the owner. So you can not be the owner, but you also get the stress. And so we've we've got to realize that God is calling us to to make him the Lord of it all because it it all is his. And so one of the questions is not how much of my money should I give to God, watch this, but how much of God's money should I keep for myself? Because when we give, we're not giving to the Lord something he doesn't have. We're just taking our hands off of things that actually already belong to him. And some of you may be thinking, well, I work really hard for all that I have. Okay. Let's see what God has to say about that. This is what he says. In Deuteronomy, he says it this way. Can you put that verse? But remember the Lord your God, for it is he, everybody help me with this. Everybody say it a lot. Who gives you the to produce. Wealth. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. So as soon as we go, well, I work hard for this. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But with what ability? And who gave it to you? And who gave you the mind to process the way that you process? And who gave you the favor with the boss to get the job? And who is the one that woke you up this morning? Who's the one that puts breath in your lungs? And who's the one that keeps you healthy when everybody around you? And who is the one that, are y'all with me? Like, yes, you do, but only through him. So we, we, we've got to just right out the gate say, you know what, I'm, I'm called to be a steward, not an owner. Number two, be a sower, not a stower. Be a sower, not a stower. And I'll explain what I mean by that because notice in the passage of scripture about the rich, the rich man that had all the stuff, God doesn't call him a fool for being rich. God calls him a fool because he's confused why he has extra, He didn't know why he had it. He didn't get reprimanded for having a lot of money, and he didn't get reprimanded for building bigger buildings. He got reprimanded because he was living for himself and not for God and others. So that's why God called him the fool. Not because he had a lot of stuff, but because he didn't understand why he had all the stuff. And so therefore, because he didn't know why he had all the stuff, he stored all the stuff for himself. And so... Second Corinthians tells us it this way. Second Corinthians nine, verse 10 through 11. For God, everybody say for God. For God is the one who provides what? Seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, watch this, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of, watch this, of generosity in you. Yes. You will be enriched in every way, in every way, so that you can always be generous. And he, he ends it with this, for God is the one who provides seed. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. God is the one who provides the seeds. Too many of us are trying so hard to store up something that God has given us that's supposed to be seed. You don't store seed, you plant seed. Are y'all with me? And God has blessed us, God has helped us. Can God trust us? God isn't wanting us to be rich just to be rich, he's wanting us to be rich so we can be a blessing to those around us. You are rich towards God when you are rich towards others. I'm gonna say that again. You are rich towards God when you are rich towards others. God calls us a fool when we're only rich to ourselves but not rich to others. Because the truth is I'm I'm never going to miss what I invest in eternity. There's been a lot of money that I have wasted or poorly invested or given to someone that I wish I wouldn't have but I will never miss what I invest in eternity, because that is forward ahead of what God is doing. And so whether that's investing in people, whether that's investing in his church, whether that's investing in missions, whatever that, whatever that may be, but God has called us to understand first and foremost, that we are to be sowers, not stores. Last one, number three, is we put God first. If you wanna be rich in God's kingdom, then then you need to act like a steward, not an owner. You need to be a sower, not a stower, and you need to put God first. Now, I I, I put this one here because this has been really the premise of this entire series. We opened up this whole series with Matthew 6.33, and so I wanna read that to you. It says this, but seek... Everybody, let's say this again. Seek First. first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom, his kingdom, his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. This is huge. Proverbs is, says this as well. Proverbs 3, verse nine through 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Christianity is not a belief system, it's a priority system. And God has called us to, to use everything he's giving us to advance his kingdom. Let me put it this way. Your, everything God has given you is on an honor system. And here's what I mean by that. God does not take it from you he trusts you let let me prove it to you the government does not trust you y'all know that right like you know you have to pay taxes right if they were like God they would say hey you just got to give x amount of taxes at the end of the year but they don't trust you to do it so you know what they do they take it from you but you know what God does God never takes He's always a giver, he's never a taker. So God says, here, I'm gonna bless you with this, but I'm gonna put you on the honor system and I'm gonna trust that you're not going to put your trust in this, but you're gonna put your trust in me. And that if if I can get this to you, I'm gonna trust that I can get it through you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm I'm not gonna take it. And, And so Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth, your first fruits of all your produce, because whatever you give your first and your best to reveals really where you trust. And, and we know the word tithe is, means tenth. but I need everybody to hear me. God doesn't just call us to tithe, to give tenths, to bring 10% to him, he calls us to give the first 10. Now This is huge here, because most people don't realize this. They think, well, as long as I just tithe, I'm good. No, God calls us to give the first So that means before I pay AT&T, before I pay my house note and my car note and everything else, I give God my first. Here's why, ready, watch this. Because it doesn't take faith to give the last 10, but it does take faith to give the first 10. Are y'all with me? This is how people treat God. God, if I have leftovers, you'll get it. So what we do is instead of tithing to God our first, we tip God with what's rest. God is not calling. I'm telling you, I I want you to live the blessed life. Yet again, I'm telling you that I'm not telling you this because we need money. I'm telling you this because I want God's blessing on your life. And if you if you only tip him, and then you wonder why your finances are in a wreck all the time, I can tell you why. Because God is calling us to put Him first. Seek first. And can I say this? And it doesn't even make sense. It just doesn't. Like I've tried to like do the math and all the numbers and like if I give X amount of money, I'm gonna have this much left and I'm gonna, it, like I've tried to do all the math and it just like doesn't work. Like I don't know how this is gonna work. But that's the incredible thing about how God works. Because when you put him first, because it's not the 10% that releases the blessing, watch this, it's the faith that releases the blessing. <laughs> it's the God, I'm gonna honor you in this, no matter if I'm bountiful or not. And you know what I, why I love the, 10, the 10%? Because all of us can do it. It doesn't matter if you're a millionaire or if you only got $10, everybody can be a part of it. And so God calls us to this, to seek first his kingdom. I love what John Bonnell said it this way. John Bonnell said this, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. All other giving is easy. All other giving is easy. I want to end with a, an Old Testament passage in Exodus chapter 13. It's found in verse 12, and it says this. You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the wound. All the firstborn of your animals that are males, of your animals that are males, shall be, shall be the Lord's. Remember, go back to it remember this all the firstborn of the animals shall be the Lord's but how many of those are really the Lord's all of them right they're all the Lord's we know Psalms 50 says God owns the cattle in the thousand hills all are his so so here we are God says all all the firstborn of your animals that are males that they're going to be the Lord's go on to the next verse Now you can go and every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb I'll explain that in just a minute or or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Donkeys in scripture represent something that is unclean. Lambs in scripture represent something that is clean. So this is what he's saying, watch this. So you're gonna take an unclean donkey and you're going to redeem it with a clean lamb. Okay, so watch this. When you and I were born into this world, were we born into it clean or unclean? Unclean, okay. When Jesus, though, was born into this world, he was born clean. We know that he was sinless, okay? So so I want you to imagine here, what he's saying is the firstborn of the donkeys and the firstborn of the, the, the lambs, were going to redeem the unclean with the clean. And the same is true for us, as we were born into this world unclean, we're thankful that Jesus, the clean lamb, how I mean, no, he redeemed the unclean. I mean, grateful for that. Okay, now watch this. And then he goes on and he, and, he, and he says this. And when in time to come, your son's gonna ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. And he goes on, he says, therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons, I'm redeemed. Okay. So let me explain it. So this is what he says. There's going to come a day that as a rancher, you're doing all this. Firstborn is gonna be born of a, of a donkey and of a lamb, and you're gonna be doing all this. And then a, your son at some point is gonna go, Dad, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, like we're in the ranching business. Like, do you know, like we killed 72 lambs this year. Do you know how much money we could have made? And then you're gonna say, son, I need to tell you a story. We weren't always ranchers. See, years ago, we were in slavery. And because of God's mighty hand, he has delivered us from that slavery. And today, because of what God has done, every firstborn, I will always dedicate to him because of where he has brought me. So, how many of you know that's... Generosity is not a law, it's love. You give to what you love. You don't have to be commanded to give to your children because you love them. You don't have to be commanded to do certain things because that's what you love to do. And so, generosity is like, oh man, I gotta tithe. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta give my time. Oh man, I gotta... Can I just remind you, if it wasn't for the mighty hand of God, where would you and I be if God hasn't brought us out of our own slavery, of our own cleanness, and Jesus, the clean one, redeemed me? Dear God, may he get not only the first, may he get the best, and may he get it all. New Testament is not about tithing. You know why? Because it's all about everything. God just everything. Everything is yours. So, so, so here's how you actually should pray is, God, what do you want? And yet again, I'm not just talking about being rich in money. I'm talking about in your time and in your talent. I'm talking about in your relationships, giving your best. Why do I give my best? Because of what God has given for me. Therefore, I gladly give to God my firstborn. I gladly give to God my best. I gladly give to Him because of what He has done for me. So I'm asking you to make a commitment to put God first. The first of your day. I woke up this morning, very first thing that I did is to spend time in God's Word and not reading this message, like just reading the Bible, like to just spend time with God. Because I wanna give God the first. We start our weeks off on Sundays in church, why? Because we wanna give God our, our first, first day of the week. I wanna encourage you to, to do that in every area of your life and ask, God, what do you, what do you want for me in this area? God, what, how, how, can I, how can I be a better steward and not be an owner? How can I sow, and not just keep? And God, how can I put you first in everything that I do? Would you bow your heads? Father, we love you. We love you, we love you. We, we love because you first loved us. Thank you that you don't ask us to do anything that you haven't done yourself. You gave first. You love first. And so today, in this moment, we, we want to respond to that by dedicating our life to you first. That's actually the greatest gift you can give God, is yourself. God's not after your money, he's after your heart. He's after your life. He's after you. He wants you to be kingdom rich. And one day that you stand before God in heaven and he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have used everything that I've given you to honor me. So if you're here in this room and you would just say, Pastor Josh, this this is a message I know. God is challenging me and I haven't put God first in every area. I wanna wanna begin to do that today. If that's you, I I wanna pray for you and I'm, I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand I'm just gonna ask you just to pray right along with me and I want you to just make this as a commitment to the Lord today. If you have maybe been a part of church, but you've never given your life to Christ to be born again, I wanna pray for you. Born again is is simply just a term that Jesus used to say that if anyone's going to enter into the kingdom, they must be born again. Just like you and I have a, have a natural birthday, mine is February 21st, God desires for you to have a spiritual birthday, a day where you give your life to the Lord, a, a day where you let God take all of your sin and shame and you repent of that and turn to Him and trust Him as your Lord and Savior. And I'm, I wanna pray for you as well, if that's you in this room. Let's just pray together. Would you just say this when you Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Today, I turn from my selfishness, my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and I give it to you, and I thank you that you came and lived a life that I couldn't live. And you were clean, and you redeemed my unclean on the cross. And you rose again to give me a purpose on earth, a relationship with your Father, and a place in heaven. Today, I commit to putting you first in all areas of my life from this day forward. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me the power to do what you're calling me to do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate who God is.